Jesus. Over the last few Sundays, we've been uh, in our series called Follow, learning how to follow Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, last Sunday morning, we talked about how Jesus was an early riser. And uh, he would carve out time out of his schedule early in the morning to get along with God and just commune and fellowship and hear the, the Word of God as, as God is speaking to us through prayer and through His Word and, and through fellowship. We talked about how the, the Word and worship are the cure for worry in our world today. And when you turn on the news, uh, you can easily get discouraged today and easily become distraught about what's happening in our world. And folks, the, the, the Word of God is clear. It's not going to get much better. In fact, it's going to progressively get worse as the return of Christ gets closer. But folks, uh, for you and I as followers of Jesus, we can take heart knowing that Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. And, and if you know Christ as your Savior, this world is not the end for us. This is not our home. In fact, we're just sojourners. We're just passing through pilgrims on a journey on our way. And uh, I, I say, even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day when Christ does return and he takes his bride, his church, home to heaven. And what a privilege that is going to be to, to just worship at the feet of Jesus uh, for all of eternity. And uh, what an awesome thing this morning. And uh, last Sunday, watching people take that next step in baptism and seeing how God is transforming lives. We're excited to be a part of his church and the mission that he's called us to make disciples. So I encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, coming up on uh, the very first Sunday of November is our next starting point class. Maybe you've been visiting for a while and you're looking to how you can get plugged in in a meaningful way. We'd invite you to register on our website for that, uh, that opportunity. You can do that through the church app as well and, and encourage you to do so. This morning, the title of our message is Jesus isn't afraid of your mess. You say, Pastor, what does this mean? Because as we look at, the, at our text here in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is not afraid. Sometimes we think we have to clean up our, our act, so to speak, in order for God to receive us or God to accept us. And we think that somehow we have to come to a place where our life is perfect and we have it all together. And then somehow we will be acceptable in the sight of God. And folks, that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, uh, he, he specializes and making something beautiful out of our mess. He specializes in taking our brokenness and making it something that's beautiful and majestic and something that allows his light to shine through us. And so this morning, it doesn't matter how messy your life may have become. It doesn't matter what your past, your backstory might be or how much baggage you brought into the, the worship center this morning or maybe you're tuning in online and you say, Pastor David, if you only knew what my Saturday night looked like, you wouldn't let me in the church. Can I say, you're the exact person who needs to be in the church this morning. And you are the very person who Jesus loved so much that he laid down his life on the cross of Calvary. And, and folks, the, the religious crowd uh, often bothered Christ because they were so pious, they were so heavenly minded, they were no earthly good. Jesus is looking for people who are broken, who are, 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 are downtrodden, people who are, are, are the, the outcast of society. And those are the very ones he loves so much that he willingly gave his life on the cross to save. And, and he's not afraid of our mess. So when we get that idea in our mind that somehow we have to get ourselves together, can I just say, you will never arrive at that place. 
You will never arrive at a place where you get yourself completely together that you have something to offer God. In fact, the moment you think you have is the moment we're going to fall flat on our face. Because pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Christ is looking for people who will just say, I, I have nothing to offer, but I'll just, I'll, I'll give you what I have. I'll give you what I am. And if you'll take me and use me, I, I'll be a vessel that you can use for your glory and, and for your name and for your renown. We are in desperate need of a touch from God this morning. When he comes into our lives, he comes not to just clean up the outside. He wants to radically transform us from the inside out. And this morning we see Christ who is moved with pity, the scripture says, so much so he cleansed a leper who lived on the fringes of society. And over throughout the New Testament, as Christ is going through the, the, uh, his earthly ministry here in, in, in the Gospel of Mark, there's many times where he sees people in desperate need of a touch from God. And he reaches out, he's not afraid to, to get involved in their mess. He's not afraid to insert his life into their situation and the problem so it happens is sometimes we get the idea that, yeah, that worked for Jesus, but who am I? I know Christ reached out and, and touched people in a desperate situation, but I don't have anything to offer. You realize through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, to minister to those who are least of these, those who are struggling in our, in our culture, in our society. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to go forth as a witness. And, and folks, with the needs all around us, we must be willing to place ourselves into messy situations in order to see redemption take place. And and if you're going to reach the Raleigh area, if you're going to reach our city, if you're going to reach Southern Wake County or Johnston County or Harnett County, if we're going to see this part of the triangle come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have to get involved in people's lives. We have to speak truth and love and light into people's lives. Uh, I was listening this week, I was, someone was talking about the, uh, the new uh, Costco going across the street. It's the largest Costco they've ever built. Right across the street, folks. You realize that was a pumpkin field for years. I mean, and there's a strawberry patch beside it. But the largest one that the, they've ever built is right across the street from our... I mean, my, my wife and I have a, a membership at the Costco in Apex. Have you ever been there on a Saturday afternoon? I mean, I'm, I'm like sitting here thinking, what is the traffic going to be like? I mean, anybody else? I mean, and where there's the sheets right in front of it. It's crazy on the best of days. Beside that is going to be a, stel a Starbucks. Beside that is a... Chick-fil-A, beside that is a new Costco gas, the busiest drive-thrus in all of America and busiest stores are going to be right across the street. Did you see the stoplight going in right here in the edge of our property? Folks, the reality is, is God is bringing the world to our doorstep. You say, that's exciting. It is exciting. And the reality is, is he's given us a mission to love messy people and get involved in their lives so that we can lead them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ministry is messy. Ministering to real people in today's world is extremely messy. So I invite you to look at our text this morning, Mark chapter 1. 
Let's begin reading in verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And look at this last phrase, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? There may be someone that is sitting in the, in the room this morning who's never placed their faith and trust in you. And or this morning, maybe they came to church at the invite of a friend or a family member. Maybe they're sitting here thinking this morning, I have absolutely nothing to offer Jesus. Maybe there's someone who's watching. Maybe they're, they're, they're in their car, they're listening, or they're tuning in at home. And they'll be listening over the next few weeks. And, and, and their, their heart is broken, and they, they feel like that their life is, is nothing but a series of bad decisions and bad choices, and, and they've made an absolute mess of things. God, you specialize in taking our mess and, and making something beautiful. You, take, you specialize in, in radically transforming the, the broken and, and the, the downtrodden. God, this morning, would you give us hope in your word? And Lord, I pray as we see this story unfold over the next few moments. God, that you would allow us to see that these, you, these are the very people you came to save. These are the ones that you radically desire to change and transform and make into your image. And God, would you give them uh, just the, the calling, Lord, for salvation and draw them to yourself, convict them and show them their need of a Savior. God, for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, help us to see the, the spirit of humility and the, uh, the heart that Christ had for the masses and those who are broken and, and on the fringes of society. God, I pray that we would see them and through your eyes. Maybe not as, as the drunk or the prostitute or, or, or the, those who've gone through horrible tragedies and trials. But God, those of whom you died for and you desire to radically save. And God, may we have that same heart and compassion. Lord, that we might share our story and share the story of redemption and hope and salvation. And God, would you use us as a light in our city and in the world to make a huge impact. God, I pray that even as we prepare for next Sunday, as we're looking at the church's mission and God, what you've called us to do in making disciples at home and abroad. God, give us a, a greater uh, vision of what you want to accomplish. Lord, as you do bring the world to our doorstep, God, may we be faithful and our calling and our mission, and God, would you use us mightily to transform our society. God, we give you the glory and the praise for what you're going to accomplish. In your name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Let's look this morning at the cry of the leper. Let's look at this morning at, at a young man who is in desperate need of a touch from God. The key verse in the Gospel of Mark is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life, what church? A ransom for many. So Jesus' very calling of God was not to come and, 
and royalty and splendor and, and sometimes you see the, the nativity depiction and I mean I'll be honest some of these uh, nativity scenes it, it, it looks like man the most beautiful uh, displays of, of royalty but there was nothing fancy about being in a, a stall that animals feed in. Uh, when Christ came, he came in the most humble setting and humble uh, beginnings. But folks, he did so so that you and I would, would understand he came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He came so that you and I could, might have redemption and freedom. And nothing was too difficult. So look at verse 40 of our text. It says, the leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you could make me clean. He demonstrated faith in the creator, in the savior, the one, the only one who can transform our lives. There was nothing too difficult for Jesus. He came to serve and, and give his life for salvation. So leprosy was symbolic of sin. The healing of it especially was a, was a parable of deliverance from sin and that simple condition so though the leper was not worse or guiltier than his fellow man, he was a parable of sin. And it was an outward visible sign of, what, of this uh, innermost spiritual corruption. And we're going to see the, the correlation between leprosy and sin. But the very nature of, of leprosy uh, with its insidious beginnings, it's a slow process. It's destructive. It's eating away at their body and it, it has destructive power and ultimately it ruins and, and it destroys life and it's a powerful symbol of moral depravity and and something that begins small and insignificant begins to take root and as that leprosy would grow as the sin grows in our life it has the power to completely destroy us and so here we see as as this leper is, is looking at the savior He's saying, if you would, if you can, if you would, would you please heal me? He's understanding that the cry of the leper is, is saying, I believe that you are the only one who can do anything about my situation. And folks, when we come to faith in Jesus, we're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who can pay for my sin. The only one who can offer me a righteous standing before the Father. And I have to place my faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. And so leprosy is that vivid depiction of that sinful state. And, and if we see ourselves with spiritual eyes this morning, we see that apart from the work of Christ, we are decaying forms of the walking dead. And I'm not into the gory shows on TV, but I'm telling you, some of the things that are on TV now, it's like, really, that's where Christ, Paul even says, such were some of you. We see the things that are happening in our society and our culture today. And folks, that's every one of us apart from the grace and saving power of God. So leprosy is a vivid illustration of what sin does. It destroys. It eats away at our flesh. Read, read the plight of the, lay, of the leper uh, sometime this week. If you write down this uh, the reference, Leviticus chapter 13. And it talks about the, the, what happens as a person gets leprosy and how it is removing them from society and it isolates it. And it's ultimately destroying their inner being. And it, it, it distances them in religious life. And the plight of the leper is 
is one of a horrible journey and, and where they feel like a complete outcast from society. It goes much deeper than the surface. It, it spreads relentlessly. It makes you unclean. It, it isolates from community. And ultimately, the only thing that will destroy it is fire. In fact, they said even the clothes of a leper, they would burn. You could not clean them. There was no way to get them clean. So leprosy is, is a depiction of what sin does. If left unfettered, it will consume and destroy us. So read the plight of the leper and, and see what it looks like. But so anyone who's placed there, one Rearsby said this, he says, anyone who's never trusted in the Savior is in worse shape than this leper was physically. So think about it this morning. Sin, with unforgiven, unfettered, will ultimately destroy us. And so he says, when Rusty says, it's much worse in our lives because it's not just a physical death. If we don't place our faith and trust in Jesus, it's a spiritual death uh, to be separated from God for all of eternity. So the leper in our text, his desperation to reach Jesus caused him to neglect customary uh, practices. In fact, the leper knew he was in a desperate situation. And so it's difficult to imagine the humiliation and the isolation that he experienced because part of Jewish culture was a leper had to stay 50 paces behind someone. Now, you and I have, if you're breathing this morning, we've lived through 18 going on 19 months of a pandemic. And what's the distance we're supposed to keep this morning? Six feet, all right? I mean, you can't go into a business without the big old six on the door saying, you know, stay six feet apart. And you go into any business, there's a, a sticker. I don't know if these stickers are ever going to come off the floors of these stores. I mean, sticker, it's, I mean, it's like, do we really, are we in first grade? I mean, are we in kindergarten? And, and it's amazing how even today, I mean, I'm not crazy with all the rules, but I'm telling you, uh, I'll go in someplace, I'm like, you need to back off. I mean, I don't know what you've been around, but I, I want you to get out of my, I, I don't like my personal space invaded. I don't like it when people are all up in my face on the best of days. And, and so, but they've got all these numbers and, and you one, two, three, four, you can stand back all these feet. And, but imagine 50 paces, you can't go in any place that's crowded. You could not come in this building. You could not go in uh, Costco across the street. You could not go to the state fair that starts on my birthday. I mean, you couldn't. My parents always said it came to town just for my birthday. I mean, who knew that the fair came to town just for me? But, you know, all of these things, it was, it was a humiliation. It was an isolation. The very fact that he came near to Jesus so close that Jesus could reach out and touch him was inconceivable. It was unthinkable. The issue, though, is not if Jesus could heal him, but would he? Think about it. Because in your sinful condition, in my sinful condition, then the, the question is not if Jesus can save us, but will he? In other words, Jesus is the only one who can offer salvation in healing. This man came to Jesus with great courage, great humility, but also great faith. 
And folks, this ought to be an encouragement and a testament to you and I as we are followers of Christ to have faith in a God who can, who's more than able to save, to heal, to radically transform the most horrific situations in our lives and in our world, to know that Jesus Christ is on the throne. And folks, if he can overcome death, hell, and the grave, there's nothing you can face in this life that's too big for God. Can I get a witness this morning? Am I the only one that sees this? Because what he's saying is, I believe that Jesus alone can save. Jesus alone can heal. His cry for healing is the same way we must come to Jesus this morning. Believing that Jesus can forgive us and to save us. He came believing in the only one who could change his life and make him whole. So we saw the cry of the leper. Let's look at the cleansing of the leper. And verse 42 says, immediately the leprosy left him. And he was what, church? Made clean. I love the fact when Jesus gets involved, <laughs> it doesn't go through 500 committees. It doesn't go through all these layers of, uh, of trying to make something happen. And we can all, you know, get our heads and we'll vote on everything and do all. When Jesus gets involved in our lives, he immediately healed him. And that's how he saves us this morning. The moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he saves to the uttermost. He transforms. It's not, let me call and, and ask permission. No, when Jesus gets involved in our lives, he changes our lives forever. The word pity in verse 42 means compassion. Jesus' pity went beyond what we would think of as pity today or, or sympathy or even empathy. It was gut-wrenching compassion. Jesus saw someone who was in a desperate situation and he needed a touch from God. Jesus did what no other person could do, not what other no person would do. He reached out and touched him. One of the, I think I was telling Tiago the other day, one of the, the first times I went to India in 2000, and I believe it was in 2007, uh, we saw a leper's colony. And you know what, you, you read all the stories in scripture and, and you think about almost in biblical times more than you think of in and, and, and today's standards, but you're thinking, man, don't stay, stay as far away from them as possible. And there's missionaries that go into these leper colonies, and they're ministering. And, and some of them have gotten sick themselves, but by and large, they go in and they're ministering to a, a population that's isolated from society. And they have a passion to, to reach them with the gospel. And I love how Jesus ministers to us the same way. He sees us in our leprosy, in our sinful state, and he still reaches down and touches us and lifts us up out of the miry clay and sets us on the rock of Christ Jesus and establishes our going, gives us a purpose, a reason to live. He gives us a mission. He gives us a, a reason to, to continue on. That's my Jesus. What a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. He would reach down and save us in such a miraculous way. Jesus never wanted to gather followers who merely sought temporal miracles. No, he sought to completely transform lives. I love this picture because, folks, Christ wasn't wanting just to have a big day and have a big crowd and then everybody goes home and nothing changes. No, when Jesus got involved in your life, 
He wanted to transform and completely change your life. And folks, that's what happens when you truly encounter a relationship. See, what happens is when we have religion, we can have this experience and have that warm and fuzzy, but we go back home and nothing has transformed on the inside. What Jesus is saying is, I don't want to just heal you physically. I want to heal your brokenness, your sinful state, and I want to radically transform you so that you have a reason to continue following me. And So the leper knew Jesus was the only one who could change his life. And folks, that's the same is true for us this morning. Christ is the only one who can cleanse us of our sin and set us on the rock of Christ Jesus. And then Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. It's clear from Mark's gospel that Jesus delighted in touching needy people. And in fact, if you go back just a few verses, we saw two weeks ago on, on in verse 31, Jesus had ministered in the, in the synagogue, and then he went over to Simon and Andrew's house. And remember, Simon's mother-in-law was there, and we, we joked a little bit about that. And he could have said, uh, just let her go. I mean, if I get her out of my life, she won't be a, a you know, I'm, I'm totally kidding. But uh, what happens is, uh, I, love my, I love my mother-in-law, I have a great mother-in-law, but he could have easily said, I don't care about her. But he says, no, would you come over to my house? Because I want you to touch my mother-in-law. And if you could touch her life, you could transform her. You can save her. You could radically transform her life. And, and so Jesus touches her life. And then over in chapter 5, we see, uh, and we'll see in a few weeks, he'll touch Jairus' daughter. And just to give you the little 411, the heads up, she comes back to life. And, and, and over and over, eight different times in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus reached down, it tells us he reached down and, and touches someone. And folks, he certainly didn't have to. He was Jesus. But the fact that he cared enough to reach into their messy lives and touch them and bring them out, folks, it shows us he cares about every need of our lives. I love that. I love the pictures that the miraculous touch of Jesus would completely change lives. And folks, it's true today for anyone who will come to faith in Jesus. He will touch you right where you are, and he will transform your life. In fact, in verse 42, we see Jesus completely healed him. He was made clean. Notice this this morning. Jesus did not allow the mess of this man's life to keep him from coming in contact with him. And sometimes in the church, people get saved. They... They get baptized, they get their name on a church roll, and all of a sudden they get this sense of, I, I think if, I, if I, 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 I start reading and I start growing, and then, man, you start getting knowledge, and, man, I know more about this than anybody else, and, and looking down on people from our ivory towers and, and thinking that somehow we can't even be touched with all of the mess around us. And there are churches today that have become so pious and proud and, and religious that they look down on the neighbors around them and say, man, I'm just glad I'm not like, uh, do you know what she's doing over there? I mean, she's been around the block a few times. I mean, do you realize how crooked he is? And do you realize how unjust they are? Do you realize, I mean, I could go on for, for days talking about all of the crazy. But folks, what happens is 
We have zero ability to minister in a situation we're not ready to reach out and touch those messy situations. Because everyone around us has a testimony. Everyone has a story that needs redemption. Everyone desperately needs Jesus. We cannot, must not allow this to work, uh, be the work of just pastors and missionaries. You say, well, you know what? My pastor gets paid to uh, minister to those type of people. The missionary in Nicaragua, Pastor Omar, he gets paid to do that kind of stuff. The, you know, uh, the pastors that we help in India, they help do that. And in Kenya and, and other countries around the world, we pay people to do those types of jobs. No, they're there to be champions of, of preaching and teaching and, and calling people to salvation. But folks, it's the average everyday Christian who God has challenged with the, with the command to go out and make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation. So he says, when Jesus didn't condemn the, the leper's disobedience before his cleansing, after he got saved, he says, now I want you to go to the priest. He says, keep your mouth shut. We'll talk about that in a second. He says, keep your mouth shut and, and go to the priest and let him know that you've been healed and, and, and perform whatever uh, rituals you're supposed to do with the priest. And it, it's a process in, in that culture. But he, he was to be considered ceremonially cleansed. He told the leper not to say anything to anyone else, but just to go talk to the priest. But see, we see the change in the leper. Look at verse 45 as we wrap up this morning. He says, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread... The good news. You see what happens is when a person truly is transformed, it's hard to keep it quiet. Pastor, I don't want to get baptized. I mean, you know, I'm just kind of a shy, keep it to myself kind of person. That's not biblical, folks. It's not biblical. Well, I'm just an introvert. You like being up in I don't like being up here in front of you. I mean, uh, they, they tell you in, in school, I mean, just a picture everybody's in their underwear, and then you start, you know, it, I, I don't do that, but uh, they tell you crazy things because when you get nervous, you get up in front of people and you get nervous, you get scared. And I mean, y'all look scared to me on, 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 the best of, uh, on the best of days, but the reality is, is I would have chosen this, but God has transformed us, and he wants us to go tell the story. He wants us to go tell the good news and the change in the leper was so radical in transformation, he could not wait to tell people. Jesus wasn't seeking people who merely wanted a miracle. What he was doing, he was looking for followers who would seek him. Followers who would follow him with their lives and, and seek to, to follow him. People in Christ's day and even today are tempted by the sensational. Think about it. People, they see Hey, there's some big name pastor coming to town and thousands will throng. How many of those people actually go to church on an average Sunday morning? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a, a big event. But what happened is people looking for the sensational. They're looking for, hey, I hear so if I go over there, they might be able to heal me. Or hey, if I could do this, I might, uh, I might win a bunch of money and get rich. And we're looking for sensation. We're looking for the, the big lights and, the, and all of that. But folks, what Jesus is looking for is followers, disciples who will take up their cross and follow him. Remember the beginning of this chapter Jesus encounters four fishermen, first Simon and Andrew, and he says, hey, I want you to lay down your nets, and I want you to 
come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then later that same day, they go a little further down the seashore by the Sea of Galilee and he sees, sees James and John and they're mending their nets on the, on the edge of their boat and he says, hey, James and John, he said, I want you to follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And, and then it said, well, Jesus, we, we love you, we love what you're saying, but I mean, honestly, we're kind of busy right here. I mean, we've got so much going on, and we have deadlines, and we've got to get our fish to the market by, by 8 p.m. today, and we've got to have all of these things. Can you just hear ourselves talking right now? Because what happens is we make every excuse in the book of why we can't do something, and yet Jesus is saying, follow me. So James and John joined the same journey that Simon and Andrew have joined. And I love that part of, of the early part of this chapter because James and John, they walk away and leave their own father sitting in the boat and the rest of the workers on that boat. And they off on a different journey. We're following Jesus. We're going to make fish for men. And, and it radically transformed. Think about it. Jesus died on the cross. He took our place so we didn't have to die. And go to hell. So once we realize that what he did for us, we should desire to live for him. We should desire to, to share the good news of the story. People who've been changed by Jesus cannot keep it to ourselves. And folks, that ought to be our desire this morning when we leave this place. Go tomorrow, today, be a bold witness for Jesus Christ as you go to the restaurant for lunch. Why not share with someone how Jesus has transformed your life? Why not invite them to church? And while I'm saying that, while I'm encouraging you, be a good tipper. Be a good witness for Jesus Christ. I've heard people even in our own church say, I was a waitress in college, and the worst tippers and the people with the most attitude were the Sunday lunch crowd who had just come from church. God help us never act like the devil. God, help us never to allow that to be our testimony. And, and Lord, help us, if you act like a tell, don't tell anyone you go to church here. Because, I mean, tell them somewhere else, but not here. Because at the end of the day, it's a reproach on the name of our Lord and Savior. He's saying be, people that are changed by Jesus can't keep it to themselves. So the leper went and talked freely in verse 45. He started spreading the good news. And it's impossible. It was impossible in, in Christ's day when he was trying to leave and, and travel on, oftentimes he would have to escape out the back door and, and get into the boat and, and get across the, the water before, because crowds would begin to throng him. And he could, so he was trying to get done and, get, and move on to the next place. He wanted, him to, he wanted him to go to the priest and have that scourge of leprosy removed. Ironically, Jesus and the leper have traded places. The leper is now on the inside of the temple. He's worshiping God, and he's with all of his family and friends, and the 50-foot rule has been removed, and all of a sudden he's no longer in isolation. But then Jesus is now in a desolate place, having to get away from the crowds. That's the picture of substitution. It's at the very heart of the gospel. Folks, it's why Jesus came he came to take our place, to take our place on the cross. It's called the great exchange. And Jesus loved so much that he would die and take your place. I wonder this morning, do you know him today? Has there been a time in your life that 
you personally placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. You see, what happens is sometimes people know that Christ died and they have a head knowledge of that, but it's never translated beyond the intellect and, and taken root in their heart and have come to a place to understand that Jesus didn't just die on the cross. Because, folks, that is a fact. But to know and understand this morning that Jesus died on the cross for your sin is transformational. Because what happens is when we understand his role in our salvation, he is responsible for you being made righteous before God. He makes that, that possible. I wonder, do you know him? Have you ever experienced the cleansing touch of the Savior? He alone will touch you and change your life forever. He'll make you whole. He'll set you on the right path of life with a purpose and with joy in your heart. The rabbi said that it's as difficult to heal a leper as it was to raise the dead. Both are impossible tasks for man, but neither is a problem for God's son. Isn't that awesome? Both are impossible for man, but it's no match for the master. It's no match for God's son. He cleanses lives. He makes them whole. He did that for me, folks, this morning. I wonder, has he done that for you? Have you received forgiveness of sin? So, Pastor, what's the application? Our reconciliation this morning is dependent upon Jesus' condemnation. In other words, for us to be reconciled to God, Jesus was condemned to die. His taking our place was necessary for us to be made righteous before God, and he's the only substitute for our sins. I wonder this morning, have you ever reached out to Jesus for healing from your sin? He alone will completely transform your life this morning and set you free from the bondage of sin. One of the struggles today is, is that of, of the leper. So many people have been isolated for so long. And folks, so many people have been isolated by the pandemic. People need the touch of friends and family, they need, the, they need the encouragement of the community and, and family and the body of Christ. They need to know that God loves them. They need to know that the church loves them in spite of our mess. Because you see what happens is the world often looks over here at 7900 Tintin Road and they're like, I don't know if I fit in that crowd. I don't know if I would be welcome in that place. And folks, they ought to look over here and see lives that have been so transformed. Man, if you had known her uh, a few months ago, whoo, she has come a long way. If you had known him back in the day, I mean, he was rough. I mean, I mean, rough character in society. And folks, those are the very ones that Jesus died to save. These are the very people that he radically transformed, and they need to know that the church loves them, and most importantly, God loves them. As a church, we shouldn't be fearful to get involved in other people's messes because Jesus was willing to get into our mess. He crossed cultural norms so that he might minister to and change the life of the outcast 
and isolated. You see what happens this morning? If it weren't for the gospel of Jesus Christ being available to all, you and I couldn't be saved. But why? Because we aren't Jews. Back in Jesus' day, the Jews would go way out of their way to avoid us. They would go out of their way to avoid those who were messy, those who were considered unclean, those who were considered less desirable from the other side of the track. They would go out of their way. And so when a Samaritan or someone who wasn't a Jew would come, uh, they would go out of their way to avoid them. And folks, that's the very people Jesus Christ died. So in restoring a place for the leper, Jesus actually took the place of the leper. And folks, we must not forget that. As Riley grows, as the triangle grows, and folks, I was talking to a realtor this week, and they said, yeah, the way things are happening in, in the triangle right now, she said, I hate to tell you this, but we don't see it changing for at least five to six, I was waiting for the word months, she said, years. You think it's crazy right now? Wait till the 540 opens up. Wait till Apple fully moves in town and Google and all these other companies that are coming to town and, and you say, Pastor David, what is, there's a lot of mess, and I'm not meaning this in a bad way, there's a lot of messy lives that are moving to the area. And folks, they need to know that there are other messy people here too who didn't have their act together either. And Jesus radically transformed our mess and he's using us for his glory and for his renown. And so as people are moving here, they need to know, hey, we're not perfect. What happens is Jesus Christ has forgiven us and he's given us a new purpose, a new meaning for life. In Jude 22, it says, if some have compassion, making a difference. So we ought to be like Jesus and have pity, have compassion on the lost in our city and our society and have a desire to come to know them. May the Lord cause us to be moved with compassion as Christ did in verse 41. And the result, it says at the very end of verse 45, people came to him from every quarter. See, what happens is we're not afraid to get involved in people's lives and in the mess of their lives, to meet them where they are and minister to them. People will come to faith in Jesus. And folks, you better buckle your seatbelt because the amount of people God is getting ready to allow us to influence and impact with the gospel will not fit in this building. Folks, we got, it's just scratching the surface of what Jesus Christ wants his church to do to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, would you move in our hearts this morning? Lord, those who do not have a personal relationship with you, God, I pray that this morning before they leave, they would talk with someone that they would allow someone to take the gospel message from your word and show them clearly how they can begin a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray for those who do know Christ as our Savior, God, this morning, we would understand clearly the mission that you've called us to go forth and make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation. God, would you use us this morning in a supernatural way? God, may we see the importance 
of reaching out and, and touching those whose lives are messy and intersecting with them and allowing them to see that we didn't have to have it all together and worked out. But you came to transform us and give us hope. Give us new life. Give us a cause and a purpose worth living for. God, would you use us as a church? Give us the eyes and the heart of Christ this morning to see those that have a, a messy background or the very ones that you desire to transform. And God, would you do something supernatural through this body? Help us to reach out this week and have gospel conversations. That person that's our one that we've been praying for, may we not put off for another day having a conversation and sharing how Jesus has transformed our life. Or may we not put off another day that invitation to invite them to come out to church on a, on a Sunday or, or maybe come out at the end of the month for, for a movie night and, or maybe come on the 31st for Superhero Sunday and Lord, whatever it takes, God, I pray you would use us as a congregation to touch the lives of those who are messy and without you and God, may they come to faith in Christ. Would you radically transform our lives this week? Let's all stand to our feet. If we sing this last 